Oh, it's an honor and a blessing to be here. And it's amazing this morning when James was preaching, there was so much overlap. And it just encouraged me, like the Holy Spirit obviously has things to say to this body and this group of people, and I'm just excited about it tonight. So before we get started, though, we have to do something very important, which is show my daughter. Do we have a picture of Eden that we can put up there? (laughs) There she is. She's amazing, but she's also home in Branson, so we can focus. (laughs) So awesome. Well... Something's been on my heart for all, all summer, and I didn't know I was going to be speaking. And then when Mark, Pastor Mark and Brenda called, I was like, oh, Lord, that's you. That's, that's why this has been rolling around in my heart. It's been like my dream to preach a Father's Day message my whole life because I thought, I have the perfect father. I, could ha- I know exactly what to say about fathers, my dad, my earthly father. And then I got married to James, and I, I've told him so many times, it's just not fair to the rest of the world the fathers that I have in my life. My dad and Pastor Mark, it's just like, it's the perfect scenario. The perfect example of the Father God. And so I was thinking about that one day and I was thanking the Lord for it and God said, the greatest father that you have is me. And I started thinking about their testimonies. Pastor Mark's testimony, most of you know that. My dad has a very similar testimony. Saved out of drug and alcohol. He was so depressed he didn't utter a word for six months. And he put a gun to his chest. And then he put it down and he was like, God, if you're real, do something with me. He was at the bottom of the pit. And so, and his dad was an alcoholic. So how did he learn how to be such an amazing father? It was the father. And how did Pastor Mark come out of the gutter and learn how to be this man of God that he is fathering all of us? It's because of the Father. And so we all need a Father. And we just happen to be blessed to have these earthly fathers. But if you haven't had a good Father, if your Father was abusive, which we know many, many of them are, if he just wasn't there, if he was, maybe you don't even know who he is, you have the same Father I do. The Father God. And he's your Father. And I just want to talk about him tonight. How awesome he is. You know, your victory in life is going to be directly related to your relationship with God. Little relationship is going to be little victory. So we need to know who he is and how he is. And um, I always kind of had this slight fear as a kid, like, what if something happened to your dad? And I would just start crying. I mean, I dealt with this like a lot, even as an adult. And I was sitting at the church in the parking lot a couple of years ago. Eden was a baby. And I was in, my dad was in an adjacent parking lot, and I saw him leaving. He was going to come pick me up. And I saw him walking, and I was looking at him, and I was like, man, he's such an awesome man. And I saw other people waving at him, and everybody was telling him goodbye. He has, like, so much favor. And uh, I said to myself, I'm excited to be talking to him on the way to where we were going. And the Lord said, I'm excited to be with him, like when he comes home. And I was like, That was the first time in my life that I didn't cry, like, sad tears. I was like, God, you want to be with my dad? He's like, he's my son. 
I want to, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to when he comes home and I can be with him. And I went home and I told James about it. And I was like, it's going to be that way with your mom. And I was demonstrating. I was like, when Pastor Brenda gets to heaven, she's going to be like, hello, everybody. <laughs> and she's so bold. And God's going to be like, there's my girl. And it's like, we have a father that loves us and wants to be with us. Isn't that amazing? You might not have had a father figure, but you can have that father figure in your life now. And you need a father, no matter how old you are. You could be a 300-pound, 75-year-old man. You need a father. You need to be able to crawl up in his lap and say, I'm having problems with this. I'm having problems with that. You know, since my daughter was born, my dad, I'm not the center of his universe anymore. I, I used to be. But now he walks up and he sees her. And then five minutes later, he's like, oh, hey, Eve. He's not fathering me anymore. And I'm asking him, Dad, what do you think I should do about this or that? And he's like, the Lord will show you. <laughs> so <laughs> he's pointing me to the Father. To the Father. So I want to talk about some of the qualities of our Lord, Amen. of our God. And we, when we say that, what's God like? You know, the church answer is, oh, he's my healer. He's my provider. Praise the Lord. And, you know, do you really know him? Do we really know him? You know, we give that church answer. James and I are in the youth at church, and we don't let him give us church answers. Like, <laughs> we'll say, what has God done for you this week? And they'll say, he blessed me. And we're like, no. How do he bless you? You need to testify. You need to know God. You need to know him close, intimate. So the Lord, the first thing that he wanted me to say is that he says yes. He's a yes God. He says yes to us. We think he's no. He's this big giant. No, you can't do that. No, you can't go there. No, you probably shouldn't wear that. Definitely don't eat that. No fun. No fun. I mean, right? That's how we portray him a lot of the time. That's how the church portrays him a lot of the time. And that's why the world doesn't, they don't want to receive it. But he's really saying yes. He's saying yes to everything we ask. Can I get some healing? Yes, I healed all your diseases. Can I get some freedom? Yes, I've sent Jesus to break every bondage. Can I get some help? Yes, look to the hills from whence comes your help. The maker of heaven and earth is on your side to help you. Praise the Lord. Can I get some protection? Psalm 91, yes. Hallelujah. He is your helper. He's everything you could possibly need. Everything you can need. He's not a no God. I was, uh, I was sleeping a few months ago, and I woke up out of a deep, deep sleep. And I sat up, and just right then and there in my heart, the Lord said, say yes to Eden as much as you can so she can know what I'm like. And I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, don't, don't say no to her. Like, obviously, y'all, I'm not, I'm not a loose parent. I, I'll spank her butt. But <laughs> I'm just... Just why are we saying no all the time? God's not a no God. We need to represent him to our kids the right way. We were eating at a Thai restaurant shortly after that, and they come with a check, and they gave us three little lollipops. And uh, <laughs> James and I and my dad and Eden said, Pops, can I have a sucker? And he looked at me, and he's like, I said, sure, sure. So she, she, I know what she's going to do already. She's going to take two licks and then ask me to hold it and find something to do with it the rest of the day. <laughs> so she, she takes two licks, she puts it down, and she said, Pops, 
can I have another sucker? <laughs> and he looked at me with this like, can she? I said, sure, why not? What is the harm? You know what I mean? Why are we saying no? Why are we just no? A lot of the time it's because we're lazy. We don't want to go outdoors. James and I don't want to be hot outside, so we say no, you stay inside. So it's amazing how I've just started saying yes to her since the Lord showed me that because he says yes to us. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> also, Brenda, I, she comes to town <laughs> with lots of money, specifically for Eden, and she is waiting for Eden to get even the slightest twinkle in her eye so she can say, you want that? You can have that. If our parents love us this much, and if you want to do stuff for your kids and you, your grandkids, how much more does the Father want to do it for you? Don't, don't be timid. Go to him boldly. But you know what that requires? That requires knowing him. Just like James preached this morning, you can't separate it from relationship. Faith from fellowship. Like uh, Mr. Wood here. Mr. Charles Wood. I met him this morning. He's an awesome man. I can tell he's, he's with Miss Helen. He's got Omar and Chuck, good guys. I know him kind of. If I had a serious need, let's say I had a need for $500. And I came to Mr. Charles and I said, could I have this $500? He'd say yes. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily, though, have total confidence because I just met him. I don't know, does he have it? Does he want me to give it to me? But I know before I even walk over here, if I need $500, I really need it. The answer is yes. I have that confidence because I know them. We got to know our daddy. We got to know that he says yes. We got to know that he wants to bless us, that he's willing to bless us, you know, that we're on his heart. James kept saying this morning he longs for us, and he does. He longs for us. Um, so he's a yes God. The, the next thing I wanted to focus on is that he loves us unconditionally. We say that all the time, but do we really believe that there are no conditions? I mean, he loves us unconditionally, and we need to make sure that we're portraying him that way to the world. Not putting all these conditions on people, you know what I mean? Like um, <clears throat> Jesus told the Pharisees, you're stacking all this stuff up on people's shoulders that you're not even willing to carry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, we don't need to be hypocrites. We need to say, I love you unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. Let's get back up. Let's keep going. Amen. You know? Yeah. Um, when I was in college, I didn't serve the Lord faithfully my whole life either. I went to college, and I just had a lot of freedom really fast. <laughs> and uh, a guy came in the picture. That's always a a disaster when you're, <laughs> when you're not serving the Lord. And so I started partying, and long story short, I ended up getting kicked out of Christian university. <laughs> but um, my dad, the school called my dad. They're like, she's got to go. He said, I'll be up there. A couple of days, he came up. He had a U-Haul. He hauled me away. You know, I was in my car. He was driving. I was crying the whole way. My eyes were swollen. I was chain-smoking for eight hours in the car. And then um, I couldn't go anymore. Just wore myself out emotionally, you know. And so we switched. My mom got in my ashtray of a car. 
And I got in my dad's truck, and I laid down on the little bench there, and he, I fell asleep, but I felt his hand. And he just set his hand over on my leg, and he started praying in the Spirit, and he prayed in the Spirit for six hours. Hours. Every time I would turn, I would hear him praying in the Spirit. And we got, and I was mad. I was mad. I didn't want to leave my boyfriend and, you know, all that stuff. We got home, and I wasn't going to talk to him. I went to my room. He was like, good night, baby. He went to his room. On my bed was a Bible and a card, and inside the card telling me how amazing I was and how God had a plan for me and how he loved me and how it wasn't what I was doing. Guys, that is the goodness of God leads <laughs> you to repentance. Pastor Mark did that for James. James was in the dumps. He spent money. He drove there. He drug him back. He didn't tell him all the way there. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? We already know what's wrong with us. You know, people that, people that are lost, they know. They need to know God still loves you. And we wouldn't be standing here if we hadn't had that love. And, you know, other people that don't have a natural father, we can show them the love of the father. And it could change their life just like our dads changed our lives, you know. I want to turn, um, if we can put John 8 up on the screen. This is just, has been ministering to me in this area. John chapter 8, verse 2. The story of the woman caught in adultery. It says, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. So it's early in the morning where all the people gathered around him and he sat to teach them. As the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, they made her stand before the group. Okay, so maybe she has a sheet on. She's obviously going to be a mess. She's standing there in front of everybody with a bunch of grown men that are supposed to be in the ministry saying, look at her. Look at this woman. They said to Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground. What a scene, right? Obviously, I believe he was looking to the Lord. What do I say? What do you want me to do in this moment? They kept on. They're like, what do you say? Imagine, what do you say? She was caught in the act, just accusing. Who's the accuser? The devil. He stood up. If, imagine the power, the anointing on this. If any of you is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he got back down. I believe the conviction of the Holy Spirit was unbearable. In that, in that scene. Yeah. And again, he stooped down. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. And I just thought about how beautiful that is. Everybody's gone. Here's this adulterous woman. You would think he would want to run away to not be seen with her. But he's there, alone with her, standing with her. He did not abandon her. He said, where are they? I think he probably, she was probably like a little bit of relief hit her. And then he's like, where are they at? 
<laughs> you know? He, she probably smiled a little, and she's like, they're not, they went home, they're gone. And he said, he said, hasn't anyone condemned you? She said, no, no, sir. And he said, neither do I condemn you. That a sinless, spotless Lamb of God who had every right to condemn someone said, I don't condemn you. He said, go and leave your life of sin. The last thing he said was leave your life of sin. He didn't lead with that. He stood with her. He defended her. He dealt with a bunch of hypocrites. He loved her. He said, I don't condemn you. He said, go on and change your life. That's so awesome. That's what's going to lead people's lives to change. If you're struggling with your kids or your grandkids, that's what's going to bring them back. The unconditional love of God. Praise the Lord. I'm coming. Praise God. Another thing that he is, is he's a deliverer. And you know, we kind of say that cliche sometimes. But I think a lot of us need to be delivered from a lot of things that we're not necessarily acknowledging. You know, in the body of Christ, we come to church and we're cute. And we smile and we praise the Lord. But we got stuff going on inside. And the Lord wants to deliver you from all of that. You don't have to have any of that. You don't have to have hurt. I know that (laughs) there's a lot of statistics I've been reading about the level of pain and hurt inflicted in families. You know, and we don't have to go through all of that dark stuff. But people have been really traumatized as children and things like that. And they do get saved. And they, they love God. But they might just be struggling inside, unable to trust, unable to love people, unable to function normally because of the pain. But the Lord's like, I can deliver you. You have to come and to surrender it to me. Amen. Give it to him. A lot of the times we think, well, this happened to me. I'll serve God and I'll go on from here. But he's like, no, I can fix all of that. I can make all of that new and right. He delivers us. <clears throat> Let's put up Luke chapter 4, verse 18 in the Amplified. Jesus said, I'll just read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, and forgiveness to the captives. Rick, Luke 4. Did I, did I not say that? No, you did. That's okay. Recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed downtrodden and crushed by tragedy we don't have to be bound up you do not have to weigh 10 pounds more than you want to you don't (laughs) you don't you don't have to be caught up in lust in pornography you don't and i my heart goes out to men it does because you're just trying to go to lucky and get a granola bar and you're faced with a bunch of naked women. It's everywhere. And I do, my heart goes out to men, but you don't have to be bound up with it. You can bring it to the Lord. And if you're struggling, we got a man of God right here who can help. Shed the light on it. Tell the devil, you're not going to have me. You're not going to have me. And get free. 
your father's like, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to fix this. He's the awesomest daddy ever. You can tell him anything and he's not going to judge you. You can be free. He sent Jesus to free us. Amen. Amen. Another thing that he's not, we're talking about characteristics. You know, like, if somebody asked me, what's James like? I could say, he's crazy, (laughs) for one. I could tell you things that nobody knows, you know, like, he eats M&Ms with a napkin. (laughs) Who does that? He eats M&M's with a napkin. I mean, every guy in the world just dumps them in his mouth. And my husband has like six napkins. He's like... (laughs) So... Tell us more. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I got to know James like that by being super, super close to him. You know, I could sit here all night and tell you about God, and I know you guys know about God. Most of you are the cream of the crop. You know about God. It's getting in that one-on-one nitty-gritty with him. You know, like if you want to get to know Pastor Mark, for instance, you can stand here next to him in church, like I have, and dance and cut up, and you'll know he's a fun guy. He loves God. He can preach. But you don't know him. But once you go to his house... And you sit on the sofa with him, and he's kicked back, and he's got his game on, and he's telling you, you know, his heart. He's telling you about the things God's put on the inside. He's telling you about the wisdom that he's gained over the years. You learn about his character. You learn about his preferences, his personality, and his overwhelming food addictions. The Lord's the same way. You can come to church for 60 years. You can sit here all day and all night and still not know him. I'm just telling you how awesome he is, what I've learned about him, you know, just from relationship. And one of the big things that's the next thing is that he's not mad. He's just not mad at you. Why do we think he's mad? If your kid makes a mistake, are you angry, like mad at them? I mean... Depending, right? But <laughs> generally speaking, we're not mad. The Lord's not mad. He said, you know, I found this chapter in Isaiah. You don't have to turn there. I'll just turn there. In this chapter in Isaiah 30, if you just want to jot it down, they, he's talking about how obstinate the children of Israel are. And he said in the first verse, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine. How many of your plans have not been his? I don't even want to talk about my situation there. And he goes on and on, and then he says, These are rebellious people, people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. How many of us have just been unwilling to listen to instruction on the simplest thing? And he goes on and on. He says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So... They're rebellious because they're choosing to not do what God said. But then he said, But the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. 
He's like, you've done all of this, this whole chapter, but I want to show you compassion. And then he said, how gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. As soon as you're like, all right, I'm going to change. He says, yes, my kid's back. He's not holding some sort of grudge against you because you weren't perfect and you weren't right, you know? And James, James talked about it this morning, but I love this verse. Psalm 113.8, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with the princes of his people. No matter what kind of filth you find yourself in or your, your kid or anybody you know, the Lord can raise you up and set you with absolutely with the princes of his people. You know, people aren't born drug addicts. They're not born prostitutes. Something happened. They were hurt, and they need to numb the pain, so they start going to all these things to numb the pain, and then they're out there, and they're on the streets, and they're full of drugs, and maybe they're selling their body because they can't pay for the drugs, and then they walk in here. (sighs) What are we going to do? We're going to say, do you know my dad? you got to meet my dad. And then when they do, you know what? They're my sister. My sister. Cleaner probably than I am right now. Because, you know, I might have done something to James this afternoon. (laughs) God's not mad at those people. He's not. The people out there inflicting pain, he doesn't like it, but he's not mad and he loves them. And the people out there that are in pain. And thank God he's got us that know this about him. And we can share it. Praise God. Another awesome thing, thank God, is that he knows you. Not the you that's all dressed up in church. (laughs) He knows the you when you are angry at your husband. He knows the you... I'm sorry, baby. I'm not mad at you. (laughs) He's just such a good example. (laughs) He is. He just knows you inside and out. Every grudge, every thought, every hypocrisy. We're all, we're all guilty. We make mistakes, you know, but he loves you with a love that cannot be described in spite of it. Full of mercy. You know, to those who have been forgiven much, they love much. And I I noticed that Pastor Mark says, um, tender mercy will... What were you saying before service? The same thing my dad always says. What does he say every service? You just said it. Lord is good. Yeah, that's it. For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. My dad never preaches before he says that. And I noticed Pastor Mark doing that because they've experienced mercy. The problem is sometimes we don't realize how much mercy we're experiencing. All day long, I've gotten the mercy of God. All of us in here have gotten the mercy of God all day long. We need to recognize that. Somebody might need a lot of mercy, but so do you. So do I. A ton. And God loves me. He knows me. He calls me by name. He knows how many hairs are on my head. But he also knows how many hairs are on the guy's head that was laying outside of the restaurant yesterday. He knows his name. He knows everything about him, and he loves him. He does. (laughs) Do you know that you have access 
to God because he knows you. And you have access to everything that you need because he knows you. You know, like at church, at our church, Faith Life Church, there's this special hallway. It's you have to have a code. Nobody can go in this hallway. And uh, I have access, though. I don't have a code, though. It's who I know. I know my dad. I know James. My man's got some power. He does. <laughs> but I do. I have access because I, of who I know. We have access to all sorts of things that we're not receiving because of who we know and because he knows you. You're knocking on the door and he's like, hey, I know him. Open that up. Open that up. I know him. You're, you're looking for something. He's like, hey, favor. I know him. Give him favor. He's tapping on people's shoulder who don't even know him. He's moving things around. He's dealing with things because of who you are. He knows you. He loves you. Praise the Lord. He wants you. He wants you too. So many people think my past is so bad or my situation is so bad or I've been such a mean-spirited person. He wants you. It's never too late. It is never too late. He will change it. He will change it. Another thing about my father is that he makes all things new. All things new. He bails me out. He hooks me up. He cleans the slate. Praise the Lord. Let's look at uh, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. I don't know if I gave this to them, but the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He will change your actual heart. He changes hearts. Nobody's too hard. Nobody's too lost. He gives you a brand new heart. Glory to God. And then in Revelation 21, 5, he said, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Maybe even you've been saved forever, but you just haven't been able to get victory in something. You're like, I'm just done. I'm just done with this. Give it to the Father. He will wipe the slate clean. It's like, let's, let's start over. Let's make it new. Let's make it clean. He'll, he'll revive it. I mean, how many of you have seen couples get back together? They were divorced. It was a mess. Praise the Lord. God will... Is that you? <laughs> he will restore. Nothing is too far gone, right? Right? Glory to God. I'm so thankful. I know several couples like that. It's awesome. God's awesome. He's an amazing father. And if you'll give him the access, he'll hook you up. He will. You got to give him everything you got. Like James said this morning, if you're not wholehearted, he can't do everything he wants to do for you. You know, he's more excited about what he's going to do for you than you are. Have you ever, like, a little kid at Christmas, like, eat in for Christmas? I can't wait. I'm like, I want her to get up. Come on, get up. I want to give you your presents. She doesn't know what's coming. She has no idea what's about to happen. I want to bless her. That's how God is. He's like, I want to get this to you. I want to get this to you. Get up. Get out of bed. Come down here. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Come get to know me. I want to give you all of these things. Glory to God. We have to surrender to his fatherhood. Surrender to his fatherhood. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says that 
He's a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. We don't want to be rebellious. Sometimes if you look at your life and if things are sun-scorched, just look and see, have I been rebellious in some area? Rebellion isn't just total obstinance. Sometimes it's just not, not yielding in an area. He's saying, I want you to do this in this area, and you're like, no, you can't have that part. Well, you might have some sun scorch in that part if you don't <laughs> yield it. You know what I mean? Um, it says in Ephesians 2.13, um, without Christ you're separate, excluded from citizenship, without hope and without God in the world. If you don't have your father, you're just without hope. And that's what I've been seeing with the lost and with people that are out, you know, on the street. They have no hope, and it genuinely is a hopelessness because they don't have the Lord. So instead of seeing somebody that's just taken up room, let's look at them and say, Father, they're hopeless. They're sincerely hopeless. But I can offer them you. I can offer them your love. I can offer them who you are to me. It's awesome. He's so good. And you know, the last thing I just wanted to cover is that he's a giver. So often, we're just clinging to a bunch of takers. I got to stay in this relationship. Oh, I just got to stay with this man. He's so, he's so cute, but he's taken, taken, taken. You know, God's a giver. When you're in any relationship or a friendship or anything... Giving is the heart of God. Giving is what we need to be doing, not taking, taking, taking. You know, so if you're not married yet and you're young and single, look for those people that are representing your father. Look for those people that are like God. They're givers. He's a giver. He wants to give you everything. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you health. All those things we preach about in church. But he wants to love you and he wants to just show you that you are so important and so special and so awesome and that he's got a plan for your life. He has a plan. You were born. There was gifts and talents inside of you. They're still there. You might not even know what they are yet. And I don't care how old you are. He'll show you what they are. He's like, come sit in my lap. I want to tell you what I put in you. It's awesome. You're a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. He just loves you. And I just wanted to encourage you to get to know your dad. If your dad was awful on the earth, you have the greatest dad ever that there was. And all you need is surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people that know your father. And they can represent him to you. Like Pastor Mark did to James and my dad did to me. And then they'll show you the love of God, and then you'll start to conform and learn, wow, this is my father too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.